What is up, everybody? It is your host, Parker Garash. We are back with another guest and another pod today. Last night, I had my friend Jonathan on the show. He is a Orlando Magic fanatic. He's been a fan since he was a kid. He has his own show called The Sixth Man Show that he is greater of and now co-hosts. Um, it was an awesome, awesome conversation that we had. We talked all things Orlando Magic, things of the past, um, some possible re- um, numbers being retired, his experiences with the COVID-19, going to a game during the COVID-19 pandemic at the season opener, and just really all things Orlando Magic, from the young court to Nikola Vucevic, to just so, so, so much more. So this is the episode right now. I hope you guys enjoy as much as I I did. It was an awesome conversation. And I absolutely loved having Jonathan. I'm definitely having him on again. So I hope you guys are excited. This is me talking to Jonathan from the Sixth Man Show. Enjoy. All right. Today we have Jonathan. He is one of the hosts of the Orlando Magic Show, the Sixth Man Show. Jonathan, how are you today? I'm doing well, Parker. How are you doing? Thanks for having me on the show. Pretty good. I'm excited to have you because I've been watching your show a little bit and you guys are definitely have informed me so much on the Orlando Magic that I would have n- have not had any clue about. But uh, most people, but, uh, <laughs> but we're glad. Thanks for thanks for tuning in. I'm excited about it. So my first question for you is when and why did you start the six man show? So we started the six. Well, I started the six man show. Um, it'll be two years uh, coming up in February, I believe. Um, I was driving home one night with my wife and I was listening to one of my favorite Orlando magic podcasts and the episode ended. I was like, man, like, I wish there was another episode for me to listen to right now. There's not a ton of Orlando magic content. And she turned to me and she's like, well, why don't you start your own show? And that just kind of turned into the monster. Um, that is now the six man show takes up, you know, most of my free time, most of my life. Um, really, really enjoy doing it. So just over two years and, um, just realized there was kind of a, a gap, um, for Orlando magic content, especially from like the fan perspective mm-hmm. and we do our best to, to fill that gap. So where are you hoping on taking the show? Are you hoping though, like you somehow get tied with the Orlando magic? I watched the interview with Jonathan Isaac, uh, yesterday prepping for this, but where, where, where are your hopes that you can take uh, the six man show? Well, really, the you know, um, you and I talked a little bit off air before we started the show, and I'm I'm about two hours away from Orlando. I'm I'm closer to the Tampa area, and it's always been really strange to me that in in the Tampa area, you know, Orlando is the closest professional basketball team that we have, mm-hmm. and you'll see fans from all over the place. You'll see Heat fans, you'll see Bulls fans, you'll see Warriors fans, but you don't see many Orlando Magic fans out here. So. Really, one of the goals of the show is to, you know, I, I do like meetups also, like before COVID, um, you know, a couple of times a year, we'll meet up at like a Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that in the Tampa area for oh, Magic fans in the area who, you know, can't make it out to games or whatever the case may be. So part of the the goal of the show is to help expand the fan base. But I mean, I, I live, eat, breathe Orlando Magic basketball. So I mean, if the show ever gets to a place where I'm able to, to generate enough money to make a you know comfortable living off of, I would be ecstatic for that. Uh, but in the meantime, this is my hobby. This is, this is what I love to do. I'm watching the games anyway. I don't have anybody to talk to about the games. So this microphone is my outlet <laughs> to do so. so. That's a, I can tell you're an Orlando Magic addict with Trace McGrady, Shaquille O'Neal, and Penny Hardaway jerseys in the background. Right. And Dwight is, is behind this monitor. So he, oh, he's sick. down there. He's down there. 
Um, so when did you first fall in love with Orlando? Has it been a family thing? Like were your parents Orlando Magic fans or were you kind of the one to start it off and just kind of take it into being like a mega fan of the team? So my family is actually originally uh, from Northern New Jersey. So they were not Magic fans. Um, we moved down here when I was about three years old, three, four years old. So we've been here, you know, almost 25 years now. And growing up, I was actually a big baseball kid, um, played in, you know, a bunch of leagues and everything like that. And um, I was, I think I was 10 years old and I was at one of my buddy's house and we were, we were shooting hoops and I noticed I was, I was pretty good at it. And um, he had a, he had a magic game on that night, fell in love with Tracy McGrady. He is my all time favorite player. Like you said, his jersey is here, right here behind me. Yeah. Um, and then a few months later he was traded. So, um, I mean, my, my first pair of, yeah, it, it was a rough beginning to my Orlando Magic fandom. Uh, but yeah, my first pair of basketball shoes, you know, were, were Tracy McGrady's. I remember, um, you know, like even playing like NBA Live 2005, you know, like with the Steve Francis um, Orlando Magic, I would trade Tracy McGrady to the Magic so he would be back on the Magic and create my own player and we would just dominate and and that was the the original big three people will try to tell you it was kg ray allen and and paul pierce but it was actually me steve francis and and t-mac on uh, nba live 2005 so. <laughs> would you say um the orlando magic fan base is small because you're talking about you don't really see a lot of magic fans would you say outside of orlando would that be the kind of common thing you would see or even in orlando is it kind of small so, I mean, I don't live in the city, obviously. Um, like I said, you know, I, from what I hear for, from folks that live in Orlando, um, it's, a, it's a very transient city. A lot, of, a lot of tourism, a lot of people coming and going. So, um, you know, tur tourism is the, the number one thing there. So, you know, before COVID, you go to a Magic game and there might be, you know, a, a group of 40 or 50 people that are like from Brazil that came to a game to watch the Magic um, you know, or different like corporate outings, things like that. Mm -hmm. It seems like um, there definitely is a, a diehard Orlando Magic fan base. Um, but as far as, you know, the folks that are like buying tickets and, and everything like that, it, it's much more of like a, a social gathering than they are there for the game, which can be yeah. disappointing at times. But um, I mean, you know, like I talked about Brazil, surprisingly, we have a pretty big fan base in Brazil and actually in the UK as well. Interesting. Um, there's a, a whole, a whole group of, uh, of um, magic fans that live in the UK that again, before COVID um, each year, they would like eight or nine of them would make the trip to Orlando uh, to, to be at a game there. So definitely a, a die, a diehard fan base, um, you know, like in the core, like the, the roots of the fan base. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of a difficult question to ask me because I'm not in Orlando 24 seven. Yeah, for sure. Um, you brought up McGrady um, a couple of minutes ago. I have to ask, when you go from having Shaq, who in my opinion is the greatest center of all time, I'm a Laker fan too. So him and Kobe were just like it for me when I was a yep. kid. Um, but when you go from having him to what, have, what possibly could have been one of the greatest centers of all time and Dwight Howard, because he was just so athletic and stuff, and him being able to team up with J.J. Redick, uh, Richard Lewis, Hito Turkoglu, and then you trade for a guy like Vooch when you trade away Dwight Howard. What should Magic fans expect from them this year? Because they've been off to a really, really hot start. I have some stats that I'll use in a little bit. But what should Orlando Magic fans expect from you guys this upcoming season? Well, first thing, last night, um, Vucevic actually became the franchise leader in made field goals last hey. night. So 
you know, going from Shaq and Penny, and then, you know, you have a few down years and then you have Tracy McGrady and what was supposed to be, you know, Grant Hill, he was never healthy here. And then you have a few more down years and then you get to Dwight. Right. And then we make the the finals and all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. We go through as magic fans call it the Dwight mayor where he wanted to stay. He wanted to leave. He wanted to stay. He wanted to leave. <laughs> but then Rob Hennigan, you know, makes this trade for this kid, you know, uh, from the, the 76ers, Nikola Vucevic. And none of us know what we are getting with that kid. And, and during the time of that trade, had you told us that this is the guy who in nine years is going to become your franchise leader and, and made field goals, we all would have been all for it. So yeah. um, he gets a lot of flack because he, he's not the flashiest guy. He's not a, a rim protector or anything like that. But you get a guy like that who comes in, works his butt off every single day and has proven uh, to produce for the last nine years. Um, It's huge. But as far as the Magic go this year, um, a lot of us feel like it's kind of a wash uh, because of the injury to Jonathan Isaac, the torn ACL in the bubble last summer. Um, A lot of us feel like if we had Jonathan Isaac, um, we really could have made a push, you know, into the upper echelon of the of the East, maybe like the the four or the five seed somewhere Mm -hmm. in there, Um, just because he makes such a difference on the defensive end. It's it's really unbelievable. But right now, um, you know, we're really excited about the young guys. We're really excited about Markel. We're really excited about Cole Anthony, about Chuma Okiki, and seeing what the veterans can do. You know, we still have Aaron Gordon, like you said, Vucevic, Evan Fournier, Terrence Ross, some of those guys. So Mm -hmm. uh, we're hoping to be in the mix uh, for the playoffs again this year. Um, But a lot of the teams in the East have gotten better. The Wizards look like they've gotten better. They've started the the year pretty roughly. Uh, The Hawks, exactly. The Hawks (laughs) have gotten better. Um, the Hornets have gotten better as well. So um, it's it's definitely going to be a fight now that they have that play-in tournament, the 7, 8, 9, 10 seed. Yeah. We're hoping just to kind of make that play-in tournament and then kind of see where we go from there. You guys have been in this really weird spot for the last, I'd say, five years. I'm originally from Vancouver, Canada. So when I was a kid, it would be all the time to just be Toronto Raptors games on. And prior to me moving down here, it seemed like you guys were always good in that like 10 to 7 spot. And then these last few years, you've really been like the certified eight seed throughout the Eastern Conference. Is there like, I know we just talked, you talked about if it was John, if Jonathan Isaac was there, we would possibly be a four or five seed. Do you truly see this team with a health, like a truly healthy Jonathan Isaac becoming that in the next year or so after he gets his injury? Or do you think it's going to take him one more season to get back to the Jonathan Isaac we saw prior to the injuries? Um, I, I really don't know, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, you know, the ACL injury is a tricky thing. They say a lot of times, not only is it a year recovery, but it's a, another you know full year before you're like really back to where you were before. So mm-hmm. I don't really have the answer for that. I think so much of uh, the prospects of next season for us really weigh on Markel Fultz, what he you know does this year. Yeah. So far this season, I think he's averaging like 18 points a game up from 12 last year. Um, had a really poor shooting night last night, actually, um, against the Thunder, mm-hmm. where he was, you know, right at like the 20, 21 points per game right there. So um, depending on what happens with that, um, depending on what happens with Aaron Gordon, Evan Fournier, Evan is on a expiring contract this season. Aaron Gordon has been in trade rumors since the the day that we re-signed him a few years <laughs> back. So um, it, honestly, it's really tough to say. Uh, if Jonathan Isaac comes back and, you know, when he came back to the bubble, offensively it looked like he had figured some things out yeah magic fans we all know that he has the ability to be defensive player of the year candidate i i will argue with that with anybody i don't I would care say he's is. a top five defensive player in, in yeah. the league by far 
absolutely. I mean, it was him and Anthony Davis at the top of the blocks per game stat um, before Jonathan Isaac went actually almost a year to the day. Uh, last uh, New Year's Day when was when he had his initial injury, came back in the bubble, and then, as everyone knows, you know, tore his ACL. But um, honestly, Parker, it's a, that's a really tough question to, to answer. I, I don't know. There are so many what-ifs right now when it comes mm-hmm. to the Orlando Magic. If Jonathan can get healthy and come back, if Markel can become the guy that we need him to be, if Mo Bamba can get healthy, if Cole Anthony turns into be the, you know, the, what some people thought was the number one pick a few years ago. Yeah. If Chuma Okiki, you know, really was good enough to be taken at 16 a couple of years ago. Right now, I mean, we had a, we had a, a podcast episode a few months back, the Orlando Magic What Ifs. What if Shaq doesn't leave? What if Nick Anderson makes his free throws? Mm-hmm. What if Grant Hill is healthy? It's the entire history of the franchise is nothing but what ifs. And that's where we are right now, to be honest with you. <laughs> I feel so bad for you. There's so many what ifs with yep. this team. You brought up Fournier. Um, you guys had Victor Oladipo, took him with the number two pick after Anthony Bennett. Um, do you wish he was there or are you okay with having Evan Fournier on this expiring? So this is what I'm going to say for any Magic fans out there that are going to listen to this because it's it's almost like the the cool thing to do nowadays to kind of crap all over Evan just because he's been miscast and he's been asked to do too much kind of outside of his skill set. I would 100% very, very agree solid with that. Player. Yeah, <laughs> very, very solid player, right, in my opinion. In the right role, I think he can really, really help a team. Um, he's very crafty. He's a great shooter. Everyone knows that. But mm-hmm. with Victor, man, it's, it's that's really tough. That was my guy. Um Draft night, I think that was 2016 or 2017. I, I don't exactly remember right now, but um, I got a uh, I got a notification from Woj. I got a Woj bomb, right? Uh, the the Orlando Magic are trading to acquire Serge Ibaka, and I I jumped through the roof because at the time Serge was was still he a was guy. A beast. Who, exactly, he was still a guy that you know a lot of people had a lot of confidence in. I was so excited. Thirty seconds later, it comes that the Magic were trading their pick, their first round pick, which was Demonis Sabonis and Victor Oladipo, and my heart just dropped, right? Because Victor <sighs> was my guy. And at the time, the way that we all kind of analyzed it was they could have either traded, they could have either paid, excuse me, Victor, or they could have paid Evan, and they kind of chose to pay Evan, right? Now, we see that Oladipo goes, has the one year in OKC, is traded to Indiana, and then becomes an all-star. Yeah. And all of a sudden, we're like, dude, what the hell is going on? Like, <laughs> we, we had that guy. Right, we had and Sabonis. Here. Sabonis is and we, unbelievable. And Sabonis. And, and this, but this is before we knew Sabonis is what he now is. Yeah. Who he's tearing up the league so far this season. Um, but at the same time, we had ju- a few months before we had just traded away Tobias Harris uh, for Ursan Ilyasova and Brandon Jennings, who both were gone from the Magic that yeah, off season. So essentially, traded Tobias Harris for absolutely nothing. Then we turn around and we trade Victor Oladipo. And then he goes on to become an all-star. But this is the thing I'll say about that trade. I don't think Victor Oladipo would have ever become that player in Orlando. I believe it took him going to Oklahoma City. This is Russell Westbrook in his prime, you know, missing triple-double, going for MVPs, and seeing what it took every single day to be one of the best players in the league. Mm -hmm. He took that work ethic with him. He completely transformed his body that summer, goes to Indiana, becomes an all-star. Now he's had some health issues since then. But again, I don't know that Victor was ever going to become that player here in Orlando. Now, hindsight is twenty twenty. We could easily say, yeah, we should have kept Victor. But Evan Fournier is, is a guy who um, a lot of people don't give him enough credit. He, he's really a heck of a competitor. 
Um, again, given the right role, he's a, he can be an extremely effective and efficient player. Um, and, and so far this season, you know, a lot of, a lot of fans are starting to see that, that now that Markell has kind of taken more of the reins of the offense, Evan is kind of taking a little bit of a backseat and playing within the offense. And now some of mm-hmm. us are like, Oh man, maybe, maybe we should, uh, resign Evan. What do you guys think? You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's a tough thing to say. Um, I mean, probably should have kept, kept Oladipo, but you just never know with these things. Another, what if, yeah. thank you. It's a, <laughs> it's a tricky thing. You guys have had, you bring up some of the young guys like Markel. You've had a really interesting, um, group of young talent these last few years, like pick Aaron Gordon, um, and Oladipo. Then you go to like Mo Bamba and Jonathan Isaac. And then, um, you guys trade for Markel. What were your thoughts when you guys traded for Markel? Do you, were you thinking like, this is the bust of the decade and he's just going to be absolutely nothing? Or were you hoping he would be or thinking he could be what he's doing right now? So I remember when Markel was still in Philadelphia, you know, his first and, and most of his second year there. And there was just this narrative that he had the yips that he just, he got so overwhelmed by the pressure of being the number one overall pick mm-hmm. um, that he just forgot how to play basketball that he just couldn't shoot anymore. I never bought that for a second. Then it comes out that, you know, he, he had a, a procedure that didn't really work. Um, and then he had, you know, it came to find out that he had this thoracic outlet syndrome and not many of us knew exactly what that was at the time, but I can tell you the day that he was traded to the magic, the fan base just erupted. Like we were all instantly excited. There was none of that. Oh, this guy's a bust. It doesn't matter. Blah, blah, blah. Especially for what we gave up for him. We gave up Jonathan. Jonathan, Simmons, I, who uh, Jonathan a guy, Simmons. Exactly. A guy that had fallen out of the rotation that none of us were really big fans of anyway, mm-hmm. and a second round pick. So we were like, even if this kid is absolutely garbage, we got him for nothing. So yeah. it's a, it's a win-win either way. Um, but instantly he came in, started working, started rehabbing and everything like that. It's definitely been a, a slow improvement, but the biggest thing for him was getting healthy. Um, with the thoracic outlet syndrome, you know, at times he couldn't lift his arm over his head. He would get, you know, pain and, and tingling and numbness down into his wrist and his hands and everything like that. He's now at the point where he doesn't have the issues with the shoulder anymore. Mm-hmm. He has to do certain, you know, maintenance things to, uh, you know, keep it up so he doesn't have those issues again. But this was supposed to be his first healthy offseason. And then it was just kind of really weird and, and cut short be, by the, you know, the COVID situation, not really able to, to work out at the facilities with the team and everything like that. And then the offseason was so short and truncated, yeah. um, you know, these guys didn't really have the time that they normally would to work on their game. So the improvement that we're already seeing from Markel early on in the season is really, really encouraging. Um, the, the release point on his jump shot is getting better. It's definitely not what it was. Um, but he's still confident enough to take those shots. If he's open, he's going to take them right now. He's knocking them down at about 25, 30% somewhere in there. It's not ideal, but he's shooting his free throw percentage right now is through the roof. Uh, last I checked, it was in the nineties after last night, it might be somewhere in like the mid eighties, but, um, you know, free throw percentage is often indicative whether or not a guy is going to be able to improve as a three point shooter. So yeah. if he has another healthy off season and can get that jump shot, that three point jump shot into the mid to, to low 30%. I mean, the, the sky is going to be the limit for the kid. He can do everything else on the floor. It's so weird that he has that syndrome because when he is fully healthy, he has athletic as anybody else in the league. Like how high that kid can jump is nothing like I've ever seen. I got some stats 
for you real quick. Markel's averaging 18.3 points, 5.8 assists, 3.8 rebounds, 43% from the field and 30% from three. That's a huge jump. And I would definitely put him in my most improved player vote for at least right now. Um, another young guy for you is Cole Anthony, who I think is a steal of the draft. He's got 8.5 points per game, 4.3 assists, four and a half rebounds, 37% from the field and 22% from three. What are your takes on this athletic new, um, uh, what's like the, just the new, this, the young guys, what, what is your take on these young guys like Markel, like Jonathan Isaac and Cole Anthony and, uh, Mo, even Mo Bamba, I'll throw Mo Bamba in there. Well, I feel like I've spent so much time gushing over Markel and Jonathan Isaac. I think, I think your listeners probably know how I feel about them. Um, <laughs> really, really high on them. Again, if they can stay healthy, I feel like as Michael Jordan once said, the ceiling is the roof. Like he, I, those guys can, can be incredible. Um, with Cole, I'm really, really excited. I am a UNC fan, so that's kind of why I brought that Michael Jordan reference up. Um, I wasn't overly impressed with what I saw out of Cole at UNC. Um, yeah. But so far, what we've seen from him in a Magic uniform is is the willingness to do like the the dirty stuff, like dive on the, the floor for loose balls, you know, take charges, rebound, uh, you know, things like that that I, I just didn't see that much of at UNC. I definitely think he's still figuring things out offensively and what his role is going to be in our second unit. Um, right now, the second unit is the Terrence Ross show. Um, before heading into last night, I think he was averaging like 25 points a game, kind of had a rough shooting night, so I don't know exactly what those numbers are right now. But it's a lot of dribble handoffs to Terrence Ross, um, pick and pop Terrence Ross, mm -hmm. uh, you know, pin down. Terrence is coming off the screen, taking a three. That's mostly what the offense is right now in the second unit because you have a guy like that who can shoot the ball so well. Um, I think as time goes on, you know, 20, 30 games from now, Cole is going to look completely different as a player. Love his confidence. Never afraid to shoot. Um, never afraid to, to, you know, attack the rim. If I don't know if you play 2K, but the um, like the like the, you know, giant slayer or whatever that badge is yeah. where, you, where you, you can, you know, finish over tall guys like, Cole Anthony has that badge, but in real life, he's right? got the vertical to do it too. He, yeah, he will get up there with athletic. anybody. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, really love, uh, Cole, um, Chuma Okiki, a guy that we drafted a couple of years ago. He basically missed, he was red shirted last year. We didn't even actually sign him until this past off season. Oh, interesting. We, we kind of stashed him in the G league, let him recover for a year. Um, so we actually signed him to his rookie contract this year. So we, we have two rookies actually. Um, but he's a, he's a guy that has shown a few flashes of being able to make some plays off of the dribble. Um, he's got a silky smooth jump shot, pretty solid defender. I think mm -hmm. he's just going to get better and better. And then Mo Bamba, um, a lot of people have this, um, this uh, like misinformed opinion on, on Mo that he just can't get on the floor right now because he's not good enough. Mo's not healthy right now. So okay. Mo, um, he had COVID back in June. So he, he went into the bubble, right? He had recovered, but was still suffering from some of those effects from COVID as far as like his conditioning. Basically, he lost all of his conditioning when he had COVID. Um, and to this point, he's still working to get back. People don't understand how good of shape you have to be in to play on like at the NBA level. Like you, yeah. your cardio has to be so ridiculous. Like I really don't think people can even fathom. Um, but he was recently clear for contact. I want to say about two weeks ago. So he's fully practicing with the team and everything like that. Okay. Um, he, he's just got a few more milestones that he has to hit a few more benchmarks, if you will, uh, before he, you know, he's ready to, to, to play on the floor. So when he comes back, um, I do expect him to be the backup center once again, 
if not, if he can't right now, our backup center is Ken Birch. If Mo can't beat out Ken Birch for the starting, you know, like for the, the, the full-time backup role, yeah, then I'm really starting to worry about Mo Bamba. Uh, but right now, I mean, he's shown flashes. A lot of people have, you know, critiqued his motor and things like that. He's a kid that coming into the league, we knew was going to have to put a lot of size on. He, mm-hmm. he was just a, a string being as big as my pinky. But long um, as long as anything exactly before taco (laughs) fall he had the the longest recorded you know wingspan in nba draft combine history so um he's he's got the physical tools he's he's a good shooter he's a a heck of a rim protector he's just got to stay healthy yeah so that was gonna be my next question for you is what do the magic do with mobamba but you kind of just basically answered it right there but he's such an interesting prospect in my eyes because you guys draft him with a six overall pick in, I believe it was the Lonzo Ball, Markel Fultz draft. If I'm not correct by that. I think that's what it was. But I feel like Magic fans just kind of assumed he would be the uh, second, like the guy next up because Vooch was going to leave because I believe he was on a one year contract um, going into that season. But if he gets help, if he doesn't get healthy um, and comes up, because I heard he put on like 25 pounds of muscle, I think before, um, the bubble. And then of course you just said he got COVID if he doesn't, if he can't get back to the level where at least he's a backup center, do they just like not sign resign him to even his player option that they have or team option rookie thing that they have for him? Or is it time to just completely move on, uh, from him? So Mo was actually in the the um like the Trey Young Luka Doncic draft. Okay. Um, yeah, back in in uh, I think that was 2018. Jonathan Isaac was in the the Lonzo okay. Ball Markel that that draft there. Um, but as far as Mo goes with the the 25 pounds, there's a lot of like, is that actually true? Is he just trolling? What's because to put on 25 pounds of muscle in like the span of like four months, like he yeah. was claiming most people believe it's physically impossible. So <laughs> we're not really sure about that. He's definitely continued to put on, you know, a lot of size since he's been drafted. Um, and, and we actually did, um, I believe just about a week and a half, two weeks ago, we, we picked up the team option for his fourth year. So okay. he's going to be with us this year. And then, you know, through, through next year at, at the very least. Um, but, but you're absolutely correct. Uh, we drafted Mo Bamba and, you know, Booch had one year left on his deal went out, played his butt off, was a was an all-star that year, and then it was like, all right, we kind of have to re-sign this guy, re-sign him to, I think it was a four-year, $100 million contract. So yeah. we've got Vooch for another two years after that. And then at the time, um, at least as far as the fan base goes, the thinking was, okay, well, after that second or third year, hopefully at that time, Mo is ready to become the full-time starter. And then at that time, hopefully, because the way that they uh, structured Vooch's contract is that it declined in money each year so that oh, as time went on, it's going to be a little bit easier to trade him. Hopefully, um, you know, if his play you know keeps up, which it looks like it is, he's a guy whose game is going to age well as he ages. But with Mo, you know, again, it's just first year, I think he had like a, a stress fracture in his, his tibia, like in, in one of his legs, like his shin bone. Um, you know, that, that he didn't have surgery for it, just kind of rehabbed and, and, and came back. Um, and then last year, you know, he was playing pretty well at times, mm-hmm. um, you know, as, as the backup center. And then, you know, the season ended, he had, he had COVID um, and just hasn't been able to get back on the floor quite yet. If he's not able to come back and be healthy and to beat out Kem for the, that backup job, there's a lot of uh, conversation about whether or not Kem is actually a, a legitimately 
you know, backup center, like yeah. on other teams, would he even make the roster? We're not really sure about that. He's good enough at, at the things that we ask him to do so that, you know, at times it's passable. But in my opinion, Mo Bamba is the, the better player. He, he gives you a lot more than, than Ken Birch does at this time. But all that to say, if Mo can't beat out Ken or, or Mo can't get on the floor, then he doesn't have much of a career in front of him, to be perfectly I, honest I, with you. I would definitely agree on that. You brought up Vooch, and now that's really interesting, that contract, how it de- um, decreases in money throughout the years. Is he a magic for lifer, or is there a possibility if you said Mo become, can become a startable center in a league that you guys possibly trade him? I know you've brought up he's now the leading field goal maker in magic history. Would magic fans be pissed um, that he gets traded if he keeps producing at the level he is, he's averaging 20 points a game, 3.8 assists, 11 and a half rebounds, 49% from the field and 45 from three. I mean, he's playing at the peak of his game. I feel like in these first four games, um, but does, do you think he possibly could be traded to a contender or do you think he's a magic for life? Um, I, I just don't know. It's a, it's a tough thing to say. I mean, you know, he, he's still, I think at the end of his contract going to be around like 22 or $20 million a year. So it's a pretty good, pretty big contract to try to move. Um, is he going to be a magic lifer? I, I don't know. I certainly hope so. My hope is that Mo, you know, over the course of the next year shows that he is ready to take over that starting role from Vooch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Vooch's contract will expire and then he'll just kind of resign and, and, and play out the you know the length of his deal and then at that that'll probably be like his last big contract so I definitely hope that he's going to be a magic lifer um we just we haven't had many of those guys unfortunately I mean yeah. we've got you know we've had guys like Nick Anderson who even at the end of his career you know played with like the Sacramento Kings and stuff like that we had Jameer Nelson who then went on to play with uh like the Mavericks and I, I think might have played with, really? the, with the Nuggets as well uh, or maybe even Philadelphia. I, I, I don't remember, to be perfectly honest with you. But um, it would be nice to see a, a guy like that. I mean, we, we didn't draft Vooch, but he had one year in Philadelphia where he really didn't play all that much. Um, and then since then, he's, he's been our guy. Like you said, he's a machine, um, especially the last four or five years, has just been producing at a super, super high level. So I would like to see that. I'm still really high on Mobamba. I hope people don't get the impression that I'm not. It's just at this question, at this point, it really is a big question of whether or not he's going to be healthy to stay on the floor long term. And you could even say that about Jonathan Isaac, to be perfectly yeah. fair. Um, my favorite player in the league right now. Um, this is his fourth year, and he's really only been healthy for one of those four years. So it's a fair question when it comes to Mobamba. Um, I do think that he can get to the point where he can contribute in a starting role for the Magic again. Just his defensive ability, uh, his his rim protection, his shooting ability, his ability to to space the floor and everything like that. I think him and Markel, if if they have more time to play together, could really get a good synergy in the pick and roll game. He could be a like a DeAndre Jordan or like a Clint Capella in the pick and roll game. You know, throwing yeah. lobs to the rim. He's just so tall. Who's going to get in his way? I mean, maybe Taco Fall, but Taco's probably not keeping up with Mo. He's really agile, um, moves on his feet really well. So. I still think that Mo has the potential to be really, really good. Um, I haven't given up on him, but it's going to be a question on whether or not he can stay healthy. But um, Vooch, I, I hope Vooch sticks around for the long term. The Magic have yet to retire anyone's number. Um, our CEO has come out and said that they're holding that for like the guy that leads us to a championship. That will Ooh. that will be like the criteria for a jersey to be retired. So at this point, 
I don't know if that's ever going to happen, right? We're 32 years into the, to the history of the franchise. We've made the finals twice. Um, and we haven't had a guy to, to lead us to a, a title just yet. Hoping that guy is on the roster. Um, and just real quick, funny little story about retired jerseys. The only jersey that the Magic have retired is the number six. And that's for the fans, the quote unquote, the sixth man. So that's where oh. the sixth man show comes from. So you, you kind of have to be a Magic fan. You've been to the Amway, you see the jersey hanging in the rafters. So it's, it's kind of a play on that. That's really cool. That's really interesting. The owner has come out and said that because I see three guys on your back wall again um, that have are complete Hall of Famers. You can argue Penny Hardaway, but I mean, T-Mac and Shaq are bona fide Hall of Famers. Do you think maybe one of those three deserve to be um, getting their jerseys retired in Orlando? Or are you fully um, on board with your guys as owner? Um, no, we're definitely not on board with the owner. Um, <laughs> I mean, if, if you asked us, like Shaq should be retired, Penny and T-Mac should be retired. I mean, they both were the number one. So it's kind of weird at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, Dwight, when he retires, his number should be retired. Yeah. Um, if, if you want to even throw in like Nick Anderson or, or like Jameer Nelson in there, I would, I would be all for that. Wow. Jameer Jameer, Nelson. I wouldn't have expected that. Nelson, man. Jameer is, is, is really near and dear to the heart of magic fans. Um, again, was with us, you know, his, his entire career, he was there the glory days with, with Dwight and and Hito and, and, and Richard and everything like that. And then was a guy who, when other guys, you know, when it was time for the rebuild, they're like, all right, I, I, I want out of here. I want to play for a contender. Mm-hmm. Jameer never wanted to leave. Jameer wanted to, to stay in Orlando. Um, he was here, uh, Victor Oladipo's rookie season. Um, and then after that, um, they, re- they released him. And he, I believe he went on to sign with the Mavs, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, Jameer, Jameer is an all-time fan favorite, man. That's, that's so interesting. And I want to keep talking about a little bit of the past right now. Um, I'm assuming you even you were able to see Dwight and those guys play um, it, during those times. What was the what were Magic fans like back then when you would go to the arena and like because you guys were one of the top teams in the East for what it seemed like all of Dwight's career with you guys. So maybe talk about just what it was like to be an Orlando Magic fan when you guys were a full on Finals contender. So. Um- Again, growing up out here in Tampa, um, I was never actually able to make it to games back then before I started making my own money and everything like that. So I can't speak from firsthand experience. uh, But when it goes to the the old, um, you know, the old Amway arena back in the day or the the arena, as it was also called, um, everyone tells me that that place was absolutely rocking. Like the 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 stands were built in a way that the, the fans it felt like they were on top of the court. So oh, that's um, so sick. That, yeah, people say that place was an absolute madhouse. Um, you know, especially you know 2009 when we make the run to the finals, um, and then the the following year, you know, the Magic go into now the Amway Center, the the new arena, which. Again, I, I love that building. Um, the first game that I ever went to, actually, I believe was in, in 2012. Um, I don't know if you remember, uh, back when LeBron played for the Heat, you know, Dwayne Wade and everything like that, they want, went on this crazy win streak. They won 27 games yeah. in a row. It's the second longest streak in NBA history. The 27th game was in Orlando against the Magic. So me and my best friend, we were at that game. 
Um, so that, that was just, that was incredible. I, I was also at one of the, um, you know, the Warriors, the 73 and, uh, and nine that oh. season. Um, I was at the game that they played in Orlando. So it's just cool to, to be there for little pieces of history like that. But um, I, I personally, I, I love being at the games. I love that, that building every single time I'm, I'm driving down I-4. And I see the Amway Center signage come up kind of over the horizon. I start to get butterflies. I get, I get super excited. I, I just love being in that building. I love that team. I love being there to cheer for them. But um, the, the fan base there at times can be frustrating. I was just there um, for the home opener a, a week ago, actually, against the Heat. And, um, you know, it's a close game with, with two minutes left. And, and there's only 3,400 fans in attendance due to COVID. But you look around and, and no one's on their feet. Nobody's really cheering. And it's just like, man, like I, I would die. I would literally die for a championship um, from this team. But we can't <laughs> get people to, to stand up and cheer. I remember a few years ago, um, people listening might remember this. We played the, the OKC Thunder. I think it was on a, on a Friday night. And Tobias Harris game. had a game-winning dunk. Kevin Durant pulls up from the elbow, misses it. Oladipo grabs a long rebound, drives it down the floor, passes it to a wide open Mo Harkless. He could have just laid it up and ended the game, but he passes it to Tobias Harris as he's driving down the lane. He dunks it as the buzzer goes off. We win the game. The Thunder were the number one team in the West at that point. And then that Sunday, I believe it was, we played the Indiana Pacers in Orlando. Indiana was the number one team in the East, and I think the number one team in the NBA at that time. Close game, uh, super close in, in the last couple of minutes, and I'm standing on my feet screaming and yelling, and I've got this guy behind me who is a season ticket holder forever, and he's yelling, sit down. And I, I turn around I'm like, bro, I'm like, we're about to beat the number one team in the NBA right now, and people are not on their feet cheering. What is happening here? Some we people just don't get game. it. I go crazy. I'm, I'm telling you, man, it, it's just there, there's – some fans there that that just don't want to cheer and it, it's very very <laughs> discouraging um part of the the amway again it has a very corporate feel to it um it, it's more it's more like a, a social like a like a networking event at times yeah um you know like a night out for some people than it is for the actual game um and that can be super frustrating but i say all that to say this back in the day everybody tells me it was absolutely amazing to be at those games uh, with Dwight when they made that run to the finals. Um, you just brought up, you're there at the home opener. I watched your video on the experience of being at an NBA game during COVID-19. Why don't you tell our listeners, because I was astonished at some of the stuff you guys were saying, um, especially beginning walk, like going through the ticket stuff. But why don't you just explain kind of your ex major experiences um, you had at that game? Yeah, definitely. So let me let me preface it by this, because, you know, some people watch the video and um, they kind of took that as like how everyone's experience is going to be like going to the games. Yeah, like, I, I want to make it very clear that that was my experience. It was the first game. Um, I totally expect the Amway Center to just improve on those processes. Mm -hmm. At the end of the video, um, I run through this whole list of things that the Amway Center is doing to try to make it as safe as possible for fans. And in my opinion, they're doing everything they can in that regard. So what, what Parker is referring to. So when you, when you first get there, um, so I always park in uh, the Geico garage. So you have the Amway center and then right next to it is the Geico garage. And on the fifth level of the Geico garage, there's a bridge leading from the garage to the Amway center. So for me, it's just the easiest, most convenient way to, to get into the games. You don't have to walk around the whole building. You don't have to look for parking all over the city. 
You don't have to deal with any of that. So from the moment you drive into the Geico garage, they give you a little pamphlet. And on that pamphlet is like a little QR code. You scan that QR code to your phone and it downloads an app called Clear. Now, uh, my understanding with Clear is um, I think it was originally used for like airport um, like airport security so that people could go kind of bypass like going through the security checks and everything like that to make it quicker to, um, you know, frequent flyers to get on their flights. I, I might I might be confusing that with something else. But um, at the games, uh, there is like a little health screening um, app um, where you go through and, and it asks you questions like, are you symptomatic? Have you been symptomatic in the last 14 days? Have you, um, you know, been exposed to anyone that is symptomatic? Have you been exposed to anyone who was tested positive for COVID-19 and everything like that. Once you go through and you complete all of those questions, you, you're given what's called a health pass where um, you have to take a photo of your, um, you know, your ID, like your government issued ID. Uh, it takes like a 3D scan of your face. Um, and then you're given like a little health pass. It takes a picture of your face. Um, and then you're on your way. You're going through like the, you know, the, the snake line, you know, to get into the, to the building. So as my wife and I are, are walking and, and we're getting in line to go through like first the metal detectors and then you go through and you scan your ticket, probably about 15 separate individuals came up to us asking, hey, did you complete your app? Hey, did you complete your app? Hey, oh, did you Lord. complete your app? And each time we're like, yeah, we, we completed it. Thank you so much. Like we, we felt very safe that they were making the effort to make sure that people had completed that app, right? So you go through you you go through the metal detectors. Um, they they have you place your belongings in in like a little paper you know carton. Uh, if you've been to the bowling alley and ordered French fries, it's that's exactly what it is. You put your phone in that. They scan it through so that no one is touching your belongings. You go through the metal detector. You walk across the the Geico bridge, and then as you enter the Amway Center, you have to you know I always have the virtual ticket on my phone. You scan that, and then you're in. The thing that was alarming to us was that you're given this health pass through the clear app and no one ever visually confirmed that one, we had completed that. And then two scanned that little QR code, which I'm guessing is going to have all of your information from that survey. So yeah. our thing is like, well, what if we would have said that we were symptomatic and then we just came in now that I don't know if there are protocols in place to, to not give you that health pass, like to not give you that pass if you check that you're symptomatic but the thing is no one checked that at least at the entrance that we entered now since i put out that video a lot of people have contacted me and said hey we entered through you know this entrance or we entered through the main entrance and they did check to make sure that we had that health pass so i don't know if it was just we maybe we got missed going through the line of yeah. being checked the entrance that we went in so that was a little bit concerning. There was no, you know, temperature check or, or anything like that when you walked in either. So again, I think the Amway is doing a really good job. Could they do a little bit better of a job? Absolutely. I think they will. Again, it was the first game. But once we were in, everyone had their masks on. Everyone was socially distanced. There's hand sanitizer every five steps. There's a little hand sanitizer <laughs> station. Um, you know, they're really good about, um, you know, the way they handle everyone's food and everything like that. My wife and I were in a row that was completely empty, except for us. The row in front of us was completely empty. And then there were a few individuals like two rows ahead of us. So as far as spacing everyone out, they are really doing a great job. There were 3,400 people in attendance at that game. The max they're going to allow as of right now is going to be 4,000. So I think our experience as far as the amount of people being there and the amount of space that we had to ourselves 
is going to be pretty similar throughout the season, even once they get to capacity. But um, in my opinion, you know, here in Florida, uh, we don't have as many restrictions, you know, as in other states. So we're a little bit more used to, you know, being around more people. We don't really have that many things right now that are shut down or that we can't do. Um, and, and my wife and I, we, we made the decision that, you know, we're being as careful as we can, but there are still certain things that, that we want to do and, and we're going to yeah. try to be as safe as we can. So in our opinion, we absolutely would go back. Um, there wasn't a moment that we didn't feel safe while we were there. The, the two, the, actually the, the two, um, instances that were a little bit sketchy, um, or really at halftime when everyone's, you know, kind of walking around and everything like that, that's when you saw a couple of, of gatherings of people. And then when you're leaving, uh, the arena, when everyone's going down the escalator, that it's not really spaced out right now, they could definitely do a better job of that. Uh, but out outside of those two little instances, we felt safe the whole time. And, and I really do feel like the Amway, um, is doing a, a great job. It's definitely interesting you bring up you guys had 3,400 people there because I think in Utah they have like only like 250 and like there's certain there's not every team is having uh, fans in attendance. Was it weird only having that many people at an NBA game or like what do you what are your takes on these small amounts of fans um, in 18, 20,000 seat arenas? It was definitely different. Uh, to be honest with you, it was, it was kind of nice. Like you didn't have the crowds, you weren't, you weren't tripping over people, you know, trying to, to get to your chair. There wasn't a huge line, you know, at halftime to use the restroom. Um, it was, it was really easy to drive in and out of the garage. Usually it takes about 45 minutes for me to get out of the garage and then onto I-4 and head back towards Tampa this way. Uh, we were in and out of the garage in like five minutes after the game. So that's always nice. Some, right. In some regards, it was really nice. It was really convenient with less people there. But it definitely was a little eerie, um, especially at the beginning of the game. Like after a few minutes, you don't even realize it and you're just so into the game. And I'm screaming my head off to the point where I can like taste blood in my mouth from screaming. My larynx are completely busted and raw. And I, I feel like I had the flu for the next week. Um, that's just the type of fan that I am. I'm, I'm there and I, I scream as much as I can. And even kind of more so because it's like those guys can almost hear you. Yeah. Like we sat all, all the way up top. There's not a bad seat in the Amway. Um, but you know, you, you hear guys get into a scuffle on the floor and you can almost hear exactly what they're saying. You will never have that experience at a, <laughs> at a normal NBA game. So, um, it, it was definitely weird. Um, listening back, you know, from time to time, I'll go and watch highlights from, you know, like memorable games and stuff like that. There was a game a couple of years ago, our last home game of the year. We just absolutely blew out, um, Atlanta. It was Trey Young's rookie year. Um, and I think at some point in that game, we were up by like 40 or, or even 50. And um, the next game, uh, we went to Boston and, and clinched the first playoff berth in seven years. So you could sense the the hunger in the fan base at that time for playoff mm -hmm. basketball. And the crowd was just going absolutely insane. So you definitely miss that. Um, but ju again, just to be in the, the Amway again and be able to cheer those guys on. Um, definitely one of the highlights of my year. It's been a really rough year, obviously. Um, but it was just so good to be there again. I, again, I would definitely go. I'm dying to get into an NBA arena and like the Suns now, since I live in Phoenix, my grandpa was the season ticket holder. Of course, he canceled his season tickets mm. for this year because he was just tired of Robert Sarver. But um, speaking of, like thinking, speaking Probably of a team fair. that had a what's up? Probably fair that he <laughs> speaking of teams that had hot starts, though, like the Suns, your Magic have been off to a flaming start in my opinion 
usually I know sometimes like I think Minnesota last year was like six and zero, and then they only won like 12 more games or something. But what are your takes on um, how this team is playing? Cause like Steve Clifford, a coach that has, has a, in my opinion, a very weird reputation around the league because he had his bad years in Charlotte when they were just the joke of the, um, the league. And then he brings this team to a, a play like a playoff contending team. So what are your takes on what Clifford has been able to do with this roster? And um, just what, what are your impressions um, from these first few games in the season? So my impression so far, like, you know, we're, we're four and right now. I think um, it, it's us. And I think Atlanta are the only undefeated teams in the league so far. I think um, Atlanta's playing the Nets tonight. So we, after tonight, we might be the only undefeated team left in the league, but I'm, I'm really just like everybody pump the brakes. Like it, it's great. It's great to be four and oh, but we, we beat a Miami team who uncharacteristically had a lot of turnovers. Um, you know, it was their first game of the season, but it was a great win. Uh, but then we barely squeaked by with two wins against the Warriors. And then we beat a really bad Oklahoma City Thunder team last night. Isaiah so, Roby was cooking I, last night. He, he he played extremely well. I was really, really surprised. A kid that played in the G League for the better part of last year absolutely broke Vooch's ankles last night. I don't know if I you saw, saw that. that. <laughs> but SportsCenter is, is, is not saying anything about Vooch becoming the franchise leader in field goal makes but they have to post the, the Isaiah Roby ankle breaker. <laughs> and I'm just like, don't do this is his night. Okay. Allow him to enjoy this, but that's besides the point. Um, my concerns with the magic right now are, are strictly on the defensive end. Two years ago, uh, when we made the playoffs for the first time in seven years, we were a top 10 defensive team. Um, last year, uh, I believe we fell out of the top 10. I think we were like 12 or 13, somewhere around there. Um, I don't think this team is good enough offensively to let their foot off the gas defensively. Mm -hmm. I think that's where they need to, to really like make their money is on the defensive end of the ball. Um, all effort all the time. Um, and then like the offense will take care of itself. It just seems like too many times we'll have a guy like Terrence Ross that has gotten off to a hot shooting start. Um, right now um, it's a uh, pbpstats.com they've created like their own metric for shot quality right now. The Orlando magic ranked dead last in the entire league. As far as shot quality goes. Oh Lord. Um, right now we rank last in the league um, at shots inside of five feet. I think we are first or second or, or third in the league. I, it, it changed from last night to today. Um, as far as shots from five to nine feet. And then we rank first shots, 10 to 14 feet. So the mid-range, which everyone knows is one of the least efficient shots in basketball, the Magic are leading the entire league right now. But the, the issue is right now we're making those shots. My concern is when those shops, shots stop falling, are we going to have the defense to grind out a win? And right yeah. now I don't believe that we will. So, um, again, 4-0 feels great. It's actually the first time in franchise history that we're 4-0. So a lot of history was made last night apart from that and Vooch. Um, we've got the, the Philadelphia 76ers coming up tomorrow night on new year's Eve. That'll be a good and then one. We play, yeah. And then we play the thunder again on Saturday. So, um, Philadelphia was a team last year that was amazing at home, but was absolutely atrocious on the road. I'm hoping that trend continues. Markel Fultz always <laughs> has like a, a, an extra chip on his shoulder when we play the 76ers and we've actually played pretty well against them the last few years. So, 
Um, I'm hoping that we're able to, to squeak out that W. Uh, and then I would expect us to beat the Thunder again on Saturday. So I'm hoping by the end of the week, we're 6-0, and 5-1 and at the worst. Um, but it, it feels good to be 4-0, but there are definitely some red flags that I'm seeing. I'm trying to be optimistic and enjoy the moment and everything like that. But yeah. I, I would be lying if I wasn't concerned. Yeah, I mean, this it's only it's really early. Like the Cavs are 3-1, and one, so that's a big shock too. Um, you look, you fast forward to possibly this upcoming draft. If you guys stay in the eight, nine, 10, you'll definitely be in the play in for sure. We're going to go through this game in just a second. Uh, who are you better than, but you look at some possible draftees. I do this with every guest who are like your top three, like, I don't, I don't even know how to ask like top three draft draftees you want. You would like to see in a magic uniform next season. I mean, who doesn't want Cade Cunningham? I mean, like I, I, I just watched a few games of him at Oklahoma State, but the kid is just—he is a he baller. Looks like, he looks like a, a a man among boys. Like he just—he's got the NBA moves. He's got the NBA bag, the handles. Um, pretty solid defender. He, he's got the three-point shot. Um, so I don't think we're going to be in contention for him. The next guy that I, I'm really really high on is Jalen Green, um, who's playing mm. for I think the G League Ignite. Yeah, we haven't really seen too much out of him right now. Um, I'm, I'm a guy, I, I really don't pay all that much attention to college basketball outside of UNC. I know there's no one on UNC that I'm, I'm really <laughs> all that excited about right now. Um, I kind of do all that after, you know, after, well, it's usually after the regular season for the magic, mm -hmm. but the last couple of years, it's been after the playoffs. That's when I turn my attention to the draft. Um, but right now it's, it's those two guys. And I think it is for most people. It, it's Cade Cunningham and, and it's Jalen green. What about you? Uh, well, for you guys, you, you might be in the back lottery, which... Oh, yeah. Trust me. I don't think we're getting Cade Cunningham. Oh, yeah, I know. Green. But who doesn't you, you want Cade Cunningham? You just gave me the field, and I, and I, I picked the, the two guys <laughs> that I want. We're going to be picking, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, somewhere around there again. And I have I have not even begun to, to look at who those guys might be. I like giving my guests the field because I want to see, like, I had Carson on from Spurs Hoops yesterday. He was like, I want Evan Mobley. And there's just so many guys in this draft. It's so deep that I don't think people realize it. I looked at like the top, um, I think I went on draftnet.com and looked at, cause I always like looking at um, stuff like that. And like the whole first round is just stacked with former five-star recruits out of high school. Josh Christopher is a guy from ASU. You probably haven't watched him. It would be perfect Correct. for you. Perfect for you guys. He is so an athletic long he's kind of he kind of plays like Harden and he's wearing Harden's number which is retired at ASU he's my favorite guy in the draft by far um but yeah that the 14 15 16 realm I mean you could get a guy like like a Tyler Hero-esque player um uh, in this, don't, in this don't draft. even don't get me started on Tyler Hero the, well, we played we played the Heat we played the Heat uh, last week like I said and he him and Duncan Robinson were doing their thing in like the first half and these Heat fans in front of me are, are doing the the three to the temple thing and <laughs> and, and the, the Steph Curry three over the forearm and uh, he missed a couple of shots in the, in the second half and I'm just telling them, I'm like this kid's trash not my hero like do all these crazy things he he's a beast right like don't get me wrong but absolutely the Heat are in state rivals. I absolutely cannot stand the heat. But if you're telling me that we were drafting a kid that's going to be Tyler Hero-esque, 
I'm all over it. Well, you bring up the heat. Um, I always ask every team because I'm always interested, especially with teams that I don't think get enough media credit like the Magic. They're never really talked about on the main media platforms. So I don't really know much about you guys. Who are your, like, is it the Heat that are your rivals, no doubt? Or is there anybody else that could possibly be um, a rival for the Magic? Two teams that I, I think most Magic fans can't stand, the Heat and then the Lakers. And the Lakers, <laughs> it's because... They took Shaq, they took Dwight, like they're, they're just perennially, absolutely incredible. Um, so yeah, we definitely, uh, we, yeah, he, he's bringing over the, the Lakers plaque right now. Yeah. You can get that away from me. I'm, I'm very happy for you, but I don't care to see that whatsoever. Um, and then like just stupid stuff will happen. Like, I think it was, uh, two seasons ago, you know, Kyle Kuzma was, you know, in, in trade talks, you know, LeBron's first year and they're asking like, do the, the trade rumors bother you and stuff like that? He's like, no. I would rather, you know, play for the Lakers and, and be talked about rather than be somewhere like Orlando and, and not get talked about. So since then, we're just like, screw Kyle Kuzma. Nobody, <laughs> nobody likes him. You play for the Lakers anyway. So, so yeah, it's, it's definitely the heat and then it's the Lakers. Although outside of the magic, if, if there's any athlete in the league that I could have win the championship, it would be LeBron James. So it's kind of a conflict of interest there for me now that he's with the Lakers. But um, but yeah, it's it's the Heat and it's the Lakers. Does the Heat rivalry go back from like the beginning of the Orlando Magic organization? Because it's such like a it's a Florida rivalry. I know like even like University of Miami and Florida State, they go back years and Miami and University of Florida. But has it just been a rivalry for the entire Magic life or has it just become new since like LeBron was there even? Um, honestly, it's, it's kind of hard to say. I think any time that you have a, a in-division you know, team that you play so many times a year, uh, a team that is literally like a four or five-hour drive yeah. know, from Orlando, the, the big thing now is that social media has just ramped everything up because Magic fans in Orlando like, and, and, uh, and Heat fans can just talk trash to each other nonstop yeah. 24-7, even when we're not playing, which does happen. Um, the other thing is when the heat did start to get really popular, you know, kind of like the early teens, you know, 2012, 2013 with LeBron James, all the bandwagon fans came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, since then, there are a lot of leftover heat fans in the Orlando area. Oh, so typically at, at a typical magic game pre COVID when there's, you know, 14,000 people there or, or whatever the, the capacity is there it feels like a heat home game. It, it really, really does. Wow. You see a lot of red, you see, you hear a lot of let's go heat chants and, and everything like that. So part of the reason I was screaming so loud last week was because it was the heat because <laughs> there were like a minimal amount of fans there. You could kind of hear the rumblings of those chants around the arena. Not as much as you typically would hear that, but man, when I tell you I was hitting the na 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 na. <laughs> no, no, when I was hitting those chants on the way out, like kicking the, the heat fans out of the Amway there to me, there's nothing better than being in the Amway and, and beating the heat because you just get to watch all those fans walk out. So sad. When I come to Orlando, I don't know when it'll be, but I am definitely hitting you up to go to an Orlando magic game with, cause you sound like the most fun person to go to a magic game with. Man, I, I just, I just do my best. That's, that's all I can do. Again, I, I love this team and, and I love being there whenever I can to support them. So if you're ever in Orlando, let me know. I'll, I'll definitely make the trip. That's so awesome. Uh, before we get out of here, I play a game with every single one of my guests called who are you better than? You are my, I believe, third 
Eastern Conference guests, which is, is awesome. And I'm extremely grateful you were able to come on. Um, yeah, so I'm going to go through every single Eastern Conference team. I'm kind of going to pop a question to it, but it's just like, do you think you're better than X team? And then right. I'll just pop a question. So you guys are at the top of the Eastern Conference. I don't have to start at the top, but the team behind you guys is the Atlanta Hawks. I don't know. I want to say yes, but Atlanta, in my opinion, you know, outside of like the the Nets because they've gotten healthy, like Kyrie's back, Katie's back. If you look at last year, I, I don't know there's another team in the NBA that got like so much better. And I feel like with Bogdan Bogdanovich, um, with, you know, Daniel Gallinari, uh, Clint Capella, um, I feel like they just got so much better. We played them in the in the preseason. Um, and we, you know, we're able to, to, to get a win or, or I, I, we might've split that. I'm not quite sure. Um, but they are just going to be so dangerous offensively this season with those shooters there. I think there was a game we were up by like 15 or, or something like that. And within like three minutes, the lead was just gone because Jeez. Bogdanovich and, and Ganel, uh, Daniel Gallinari and, and Trey Young just started hitting shots and the lead was just gone. So, um, my instinct is going to say no. Uh, I feel like they just have too much offensive firepower right now. And again, I don't feel like our defense is where it should be right now. Is it going to improve? It might. But right now, I feel like if we play for a, a game that really matters, I, I think Atlanta probably squeaks it out. You talked about them offensively. Are you worried about them defensively? Because I've heard God, no. every single oh person. God, no. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Like Marquette, like, I, I I know that you didn't watch um, our, our game against the Wizards the other night, but what Markel did to Howell Neto the last couple of minutes, Markel will do that to Trey Young all, all day, which is just <laughs> drop his shoulder, plant it in the middle of, of that th- those ones, number 11, he'll go flying back. I, I'm not worried. Defensively, no. Um, I definitely feel like we can score enough on them to win a game. Are we going to be able to stop them from getting a 140? I, I'm really not sure. Yeah. Uh, next up is Indiana. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Um, Malcolm Brogdon, Victor Oladipo, Damana Sabonis. Um, they're they're an excellent team. Um, I think they're they're going to surprise some people in the East this year. Um, I kind of had them a, a little bit lower. Uh, I thought maybe they would finish like you know five or, or six, like they had the last couple of years. But mm-hmm. if they finish like third or fourth in the Eastern Conference this year, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Their so bonus is, is just on another level now. He has been playing out of his mind. They are also my dark horse. I don't know if you've listened to my past episodes. They're my dark horse for a hardened trade because uh, they have the pieces of Oladipo and Miles Turner, but it seems like nobody in the league, according to Bill Simmons, wants Miles Turner on their roster. And uh, But, I mean, if Harden truly wants out, I want him to go somewhere cold and crappy and I think Indiana is the perfect place for James Harden to be. I don't know how many uh, gentlemen establishments are in uh, Indiana. Exactly. So I'm, not, I'm not real sure on that. Uh, I don't know. I think it's going to just cost so much for Harden. Like, it's going to have to be like a bona fide all-star, like a Ben Simmons or, or something like that. Yeah, um, for sure. And then, like, you know, either another couple of really good young players or, like, just a, a treasure trove of, of uh, draft picks. So, I would be surprised to see him to, to go to Indiana, but him and, and Sabonis would be a lot of fun. They definitely would be. My next team up is the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think so. I, I want to say yes. Um, I don't know if you've been paying a lot of attention to like their social media stuff. 
um, Colin Sexton and, and Darius Garland. Sexland. They're, they're Sexland. Yeah, that's the best nickname <laughs> in the entire league for a, for a backcourt duo. Um, but no, I mean, I just don't think that like Andre Drummond, he, he's a he's another guy who I think if, if we're talking about rivals, if we, we're talking about Vooch, like if he has a rival out there, it might be it's Andre, Andre Drummond. Like Vooch made the all-star team a couple of years ago over Drummond. And he he tweeted out like Vucevic, like what? Like, and in my opinion, it's it's no contest who the better basketball player is. Vucevic is incredibly more skilled than than Drummond. Um, you know, Drummond obviously a, a great rebounder. He has the potential to be a really good offensive player. Mm-hmm. Um, but offensively, it's just absolutely not. No, thank you. Uh, the free throws and everything like that. Um, I, I do think we're I do think we're better than Cleveland. I think um, you know, Sexland is going to be really really good <laughs> as those guys continue to grow and, and mature and everything like that. Yeah. Um, but when you're asking me these questions, I'm basically thinking like, we've got one game to the death. What team am I taking? And I'm taking the Magic in that matchup. They're an interesting team, in my opinion. Sexland is on fire so far these first four games. Kevin Love is my question mark for them. Do well, you think for a few weeks now with the green calf? It seems like this dude is injured every single time he steps on the basketball court. What yeah. happens with him in Cleveland? I know he just like did something for their staff and like paid off all their COVID debts for all the workers in the arena. Is he not going to be a Cleveland Cavalier by the end of the season, or it just? I don't even know what to think of him anymore. Honestly, I have no idea because he is a, a shell of what he used to be. Um, and he is being paid just astronomical amounts of money. So yeah. I would be really surprised to see a, a team uh, trade for him. Um, I mean, the Cavs also have Andre Drummond, who I believe, um, I think he just re-signed, but before that he was making like a ton of money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I just don't know. I don't, I don't see a team that's really going to be willing to trade for him. Unless, you know, you run into the instance where like a couple of years ago where Atlanta just had so much cap space and they're like, give us your draft picks and we'll take all of your crappy contracts. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Oklahoma City is also doing the same thing like Al Horford. So if they can find a team like that that is willing to do that, then then sure. But are they going to get anything like worth it as far as like the money goes for Kevin Love? Absolutely not. I would 100% agree with you. I've heard Portland rumors. Uh, from a lot of sources because he's from Portland. No way in hell they do that. Be, but who even knows? I mean, what do you, I mean, you, you would have to trade. I, I don't even know. Nurkic probably, but they contract, but yeah, Nurkic or like McCollum. And that's just not happening. Yeah, absolutely not. Uh, next up is Philly. No, we're not better than Philly. I mean, Phil, Philadelphia last year when they, when they got Al Horford was actually my pick to come out of the East. Um, I think Daryl Morey in his short time there, the, the tweaks that he's made, um, you know, like, like Seth Curry, um, you know, they still have Tobias Harris, who I, I think is really underrated. He's definitely overpaid, um, mm-hmm. but people just don't think he's a good basketball player. And that's just so far from the truth that it's ridiculous. Yeah. Obviously Ben Simmons is incredible. Joel Embiid is probably the best center in the league. Um, you know, when he can stay healthy. Um, I don't, I don't, uh, I don't see Anthony Davis as a center. I know that he traditionally <laughs> would be, but he, he, he says he's a power forward. So he's yeah. a power forward to me. Um, but Joel Embiid, you know, he, he's incredible as well. So, um, again, a team that we have had success against um, Philadelphia. You know, the last couple of years is Philadelphia. But I still, yeah, Philadelphia is still better. Does a Harden trade get done for them? I think. And, that's, and who says no? Anywhere. I think, I mean, 
this is the thing. We all know Daryl Morey legitimately thinks that James Harden is one of the best basketball players to ever walk the face of the earth. Like you cannot convince Daryl Morey that he, he believes that James Harden is the greatest offensive basketball player ever. He has said that, right? So if anybody is willing to overpay for James Harden, it's, it's Daryl Morey, right? <laughs> um, just whether or not Houston really wants to, to trade him, I, I just don't know. Um, I, I, if it was me, I would trade Ben Simmons and, and a couple of draft picks for James Harden in two seconds. Um, just because I feel like Harden is such a better fit with Joel because Harden can actually space the floor where Ben Simmons cannot. Um, there's been talks for years now that it's just a weird fit. It's a weird dynamic, uh, with them, even as teammates, they don't really love each other. Um, Mm -hmm. that sounds kind of weird, but not huge fans of each other. We'll put it that way. (laughs) But, um, I mean, if I was Philadelphia, I would do that in a second. And if I'm Houston and I can, you know, get Ben Simmons for a guy that doesn't want to be there anyway, I mean, Houston's really not going anywhere. Yeah. Uh, Ben Simmons is way younger than James Harden. Just take Ben Simmons, start to build around him, see what he can do as the guy. Um, for some reason, I've just never been all that sold on Ben Simmons being the guy offensively, especially until he learns to, to shoot a jump shot. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's definitely a guy that you can build around. And if you get another guy, you can have a lot of luck with. I feel like they've been doing a lot better this season so far. They added Tyrese Maxey, Danny Green, Seth Curry. And it feels like they're back to that 2017, 18 days of just adding complete shooters around these guys. Cause I think they can work well together if they have shooting, but like last year was just atrocious with how horrible they were on the offensive end. Cause nobody could create from themselves. I think Seth Curry is the biggest pickup, like low key biggest pickup of the off season, getting him for Josh Richardson. I would take Seth Curry over Josh Richardson all day, but um, the next team up is uh, the other team that was in Harden trade talks, the Brooklyn Nets. No, no, we're not. <laughs> no, we're not better than Brooklyn. Um, I'm really not huge fans personally of Kyrie and, and KD. Just that goes back wow. to, yeah, the way the way that you know Kyrie just praised LeBron James after the what was it the 2017 Finals when they um, won. Just, no, when when they lost when they lost the the next year to the, oh yeah, to yeah the that Golden was 2017. Warriors KD's first year there. Um, just the praise that he threw on top of LeBron after those Finals. Um, and then, you know, demands to be traded and has, you know, said things about, you know, LeBron, even, you know, um, during the finals this year saying, oh, I finally have a guy who like can take that shot. It's like, bro, you, you were not you were even playing sniffing with the playoffs until this guy showed up and he helped you win a championship. Right. So, um, yeah, so that, and then, um, Kevin Durant being up three to one with the Warriors against, uh, on the Thunder, excuse me, against yeah. the Warriors just completely choking that series away and then says, you know what? I'm going to go join those guys. And then when they play like the thunder and stuff like that, like he's just acting like he's the the greatest thing since sliced bread. I just didn't really appreciate that. I, I always give the analogy. Let's say Parker, you and I we're, we're best buds. We're walking home from school and these kids just come up and beat the absolute crap out of us. Right. <laughs> Next day I get off the bus. I'm like, I'm like, where's Parker? And I'm walking home. And now you show up with those kids and beat the crap out of me. That's what Kevin Durant did did to to Russell Westbrook. So although I'm not huge fans of those guys personally, they are absolute disgusting, just filthy assassins on the basketball court. Um, And, and, you know, even though now that they've lost, you know, Spencer Dinwiddie, um, they still got Karis LeVert, you know, Joe Harris. um, 
no, we're not better than the Nets, unfortunately. Katie's my guy. He's been my favorite player since I was 12 years old. I'm 19 now. So being able to watch him go from OKC, I was ticked off at him for going to Golden State. I didn't he even really ruin the league for like three years. Yeah. It was like, what is the point of exactly. watching this? <laughs> I never really know. I don't even really remember what even happened in that OKC Golden State series, but I do remember watching game seven and Golden State just absolutely just letting Stephen Clay clock it from it seemed like every single place, every single like area of the floor. But my question for Brooklyn is are they gonna suffer a little bit more not having Spencer Dinwiddie there? I mean, they definitely can. I mean, anytime you lose a guy like that, it, it's gonna, it's really gonna hurt you. Mm-hmm. Um, the the good thing about them is he was really like their third playmaker in that starting lineup. Yeah, you got, you know, KD, who you know I still think is you know top three or four best players in the whole world, maybe even the second best player in the world still. Mm-hmm. Doesn't look like he's lost a bit. Um, and then you've got Kyrie, who, in my opinion, is like the best below the rim finisher in the history of basketball. He, He's hella crafty. Greatest handles ever. I mean, you can talk about Steph. You can talk about AI. In my opinion, Kyrie is up there in a a level all by himself. Um, They still have Karis LeVert, who I'm really, really high on. A lot of Magic fans are really, really high on. Um, They're definitely going to suffer a little bit. Now, is it enough to, like, derail them, you know, making, like, the Eastern Conference Finals or something like that? I don't think so. I I still think at the end of the year, they're going to be right there with Philadelphia, with Miami, with the with the bucks so yeah the next team up I'll, we'll go by this really quick because it's gonna be an obvious answer it's the new york knicks absolutely oh my gosh <laughs> i'm i'm offended that you had to ask no yeah absolutely and luke uh, my co-host he's got a couple of buddies who who are knicks fans and, and they like to go back and forth they wanted to rag on him that uh that last night uh markel went like four of 15 from the floor and we had to like luke had to remind them that like rj barrett literally shot four of 15 last night a couple of games ago he shot like two of 13 or something like that so i mean i i honestly feel bad for knicks fans like i like to say what ifs like they are the epitome of what ifs yeah like what if we got lebron what if we got Kyrie and kd they thought they were going to get Giannis, zion Uh, man yeah zion jesus even 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 when they tank Okay, and they're they like, all right, take, we're right. gonna get the the number one or the number two pick. They don't get the top pick, then they draft the wrong guy, and then even if they draft the right guy like Kristaps Porzingis, he it's wants right out of there. Yeah. So, yes, we're better than the Knicks. The Boston Celtics are up next. We're not better than the Boston Celtics. This this feels bad because I'm saying no a lot, um, but no, we're not better than the Boston Celtics. Jason Tatum um, is really, really, really the guy I wanted in 2017. I, I knew like, I'm not the best person at like projecting talent. I will admit that I've been plenty wrong. Like with Mario Hazonia, I thought Mario Hazonia was going to be amazing. I thought Dante Exum was going to be amazing. Neither of those guys are even good, but Jason Tatum is the guy I saw him. I was like, this dude is just going to be silky smooth and nobody's going to be able to touch him in a few years. Mm-hmm. And from, from his rookie year, I mean, you know, playing against LeBron James in the Eastern conference finals, they went seven games. He dunked all over him. I mean, He's just absolutely filthy. Jalen Brown um, has just turned into an absolute monster when they signed yeah. him to that huge extension. I was like, what? You're signing Jalen Brown to that? And he's just absolutely been incredible. Um, the one question mark with that team is really going to be Kemba, whether or not he can stay healthy or not. Um, if he can, they're Eastern Conference contenders, absolutely. Peyton Pritchard has been a baller yeah, for he's, them. He's been playing really well also. With From Kemba Oregon, out. Right? What? 
Oregon? Yeah, he went to Oregon. Right. He played with one of my buddies, one of my good friends, Casey Benson, who's playing in professionally in, nice. I think, like Slovenia now, played on Oregon Peyton's freshman year. But um, are they, can, what is their ceiling as a team? Because again, I feel like they've had a weird run. It's like Isaiah Thomas is the third MVP vote or the third, like the third place in MVP voting. And then you bring in Kyrie for those few years with Hayward. Both of them are now gone. And then you got this uh, Mark, like Marcus Smart, Smart is running point for them right now. What is the ceiling for this team? Or are they just going to have to blow it up again? Um, they're In my opinion, they're definitely Eastern Conference contenders. Um, you know, I talked about Atlanta improving so much. The Like the second team that I feel like has improved like an, a crazy amount is going to be the Lakers. Like they just won the title, and then I feel like you know, adding <laughs> adding guys like Marcus All, um, Montrezl Harrell, um, Dennis Schroeder. Like it, it's like, how do we let the Lakers get better? You know what I mean? So exactly, I still feel like I still feel like the Lakers are are by far and away my favorites to win the title. I feel like everyone's really just fighting over second place. Um, but I would say that Boston is definitely Eastern Conference contenders. Are they title contenders? I don't I don't think so. Um, I think. Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Miami, those are the three teams, um, you know, in the East. Like, if Gordon Drogic stays healthy last year in those finals, do they push it to six? Do they push it to seven? Who knows? Um, if that team is really good again and Tyler Hero takes another step up, if he gets better, um, if Gordon Drogic gets better, if Bam Adebayo, he's going to get better. Yeah. Um, Precious Achua, who I saw on opening night. Love Precious. Like, like Bam 2.0. Like, I was like, how the, how do they get another one of these guys? I know, right? Like, what's going on? Like, we're begging. We're like, Mo, please get healthy, please. And now they've got two of these guys. So, um, the Heat, they have the ability. Um, I mean, Milwaukee just broke the three point, you know, record in one game for a team last night. Um, so they're going to be right there again. But Boston, I feel like there's still a few moves away. I still feel like uh, Jalen and Jason Tatum still have like another level to get to, like as good as those guys are right now, especially Tatum. Like I think Tatum has the ability to be like a top five guy in the league. Yeah. Um, so I feel like he's got another level to get to as well. Um, so I feel like the Celtics, they're, they're staying competitive and they're at the upper echelon of the Eastern Conference, but they're kind of just like biding their time until those guys take like the next leap. Yeah, I would, I would agree. The next one up, I'll do these next. I'll start going in twos just because there'll be probably two no's and then a bunch of yeses uh, for the rest. The next two up are Milwaukee and Miami. No, nope. Just talked about those. Those guys are. are That's why I contenders. went the next two. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. Milwaukee's weird. I don't know if my thing with them is I called them the Toronto Raptors of now because Toronto for years the number one seed every single year. They're always so good in the, in the regular season. Then when it comes to postseason, they choke. And that's what's happened these last two years with Milwaukee for Miami. I think they actually got kind of worse losing Jay Crowder like that. Of course they make it up with precious, uh, precious Achua, but are both, do you think they're both better than Brooklyn? No. Um, I think Brooklyn is like right in there. I think right now it's like, for me, it's Milwaukee. Um, than Brooklyn probably just because Milwaukee's had so much more time to play together. Mm -hmm. Still super early for the Nets. Um, I think they're going to be right there, but not 100% sure what exactly um, they're going to look like at the end of the year. Uh, the Heat, 
the Heat are kind of like on the next tier for me. Um, you know, Jay Crowder is a is a big loss for them. Um, but just another year of all those guys playing together, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, another year under the, their belt. Like you said, Precious Achua, um, th- those teams are still all super, super solid. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. The next two up are Charlotte and Chicago. Charlotte, I'm, I'm going to say yes right now um, until LaMelo Ball like proves to me that he's really worthy you know, of that you know, number two or number three pick, uh, whatever he was their number three pick. Um, he's, he's struggled offensively so far, you know, all the talent in the world, as far as like the playmaking ability goes, Mm -hmm. Gordon Hayward guy that like just had a a finger fracture. He's a guy that just can't stay healthy. Um, and then Terry Rozier, uh, and, and Devontae Graham, if if those guys, excuse me, if those guys can play the way that they did against us in the preseason, then Charlotte's going to have a really good year. Yeah. Um, but I'm just not sold on Charlotte just yet. Uh, and then Chicago, we're, we're better than Chicago. Um, you know, they, they've got a few question marks like Lowry Markinen. Can he stay healthy? Is he going to be, you know, is he going to live up to, you know, where he was drafted? Uh, Kobe White is a guy who has, you know, a lot of potential, I think. UNC guy. Still, UNC guy, absolutely. Watched a lot of Kobe White in my day. But as all UNC fans know, it can be a very, very streaky shooter. Um, Zach Levine, um, who robbed Aaron Gordon of a dunk contest. We're not going to get too much into that. <laughs> I picked Aaron score. Gordon too. Absolutely. He can score with the best of them. Um, but I, I still think, uh, you know, I still think Orlando has the edge. I don't think Chicago has proven um, that they can win games at a consistent rate yet. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Chicago is a weird, weird situation. I thought they went did really well grabbing Billy Donovan as their next head coach. But like the Otto Porter small forward thing, Zach Levine, I don't know as if he's happy. It, it's just a weird, weird situation. The next two up are Toronto and Detroit. Toronto, no. Um, Toronto has just proven to have our number over the last couple of years. You know, you might remember the the game one game winner that DJ Augustine had over the Raptors, and then what a bomb Kawhi Leonard just turned on the lawnmower and just it, it was just over for us. <laughs> Nick Nurse is, is such a great coach. You know, he's one of the the best coaches in the league at, at making on the fly adjustments. Um, so it's really hard for me to, as much as I cannot stand Kyle Lowry, he's one of my least favorite players in the entire league. Aaron Gordon is still nursing a hamstring injury that was 100% due to Kyle Lowry just making an incredibly dangerous oh, play wow. in the bubble. So th- four months now, um, yeah, it was like the middle of August. So like four months now, he's still nursing this hamstring injury. He's still on a minutes restriction. Um, but I mean, when, whenever you talk about a team that, you know, two years ago made the finals and were still so good last year, you know, the second seed, um, they have so many guys that at any time can just go and get their own shot. Uh, where, you know, I mean, now we have Markel and we have Cole, but that's just something that the Magic just don't really have. Um, and, and Toronto, uh, you know, I mean, they've lost Marcus All, they lost Serge Ibaka. So um, I don't know. I, I think they're probably going to take a step down this season, but I, I still don't think that uh, that we're better than Toronto. And then what was the last team? Uh, the last two are Detroit and Washington. Detroit and Washington. Detroit, absolutely. Detroit might be the, the worst team in the league. Um, and then Washington, we, we've just beat them twice. Um, I don't know that Scott Brooks really knows what he's doing there. Um, as far as their rotation goes, he's still like experimenting and just throwing out random lineups. Yeah. It's going to take some time for Beal and, and Russell Westbrook to really learn how to play together. Um, I think Westbrook needs to, to realize that he's kind of past his prime. 
um, and just needs to be more of a facilitator and let some of those other guys score like, you know, Hachimura, uh, Bradley Beal, um, uh, you know, as as Diva, how Denny, do you uh, say that? Uh, Gia or something like uh, that. Gia, yeah. Yeah. Denny. Um, I can't say that kid's name yet. <laughs> Give me some time. We've only played him twice. Um, but you know, they've got some off Bertons. They've got some offensive weapons there and uh, Westbrook needs to be more of a facilitator and a playmaker there uh, rather than trying to be the guy again. Yeah, I, I would definitely agree. Well, that's all for that I have for you, Jonathan. It's been an absolute pleasure being able to talk Absolutely, to you. man. A lot of stuff. Fun. I'm definitely having you back on um, in the good. future. But is there anything you want to shout out before we get out of here? No. Um, just first of all, thank you for having me on the show. Really, really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. I'll come back on any time. Um, if you guys are Magic fans or you want to check us out, you can find us basically everywhere at Sixth Man Show, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, all that good stuff. We release episodes every single Monday. Um, no matter if there's basketball or not, we went through that entire quarantine with no basketball and still put out episodes every single Monday. So if you guys are Magic fans or you want to hear more about the Magic, uh, we're the spot. All right, bro. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, man. Well, that is all for today's episode. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I absolutely love talking to Jonathan. I'm definitely, definitely having him on again once the season gets into full swing after these first few weeks of it. Um, but again, he just informed me of so much, like the Markel Fultz um, disability type thing he has, Nikola Vucevic's um, contract, and even the COVID-19 uh, pandemic game like that. That's just super, super interesting to me. But anyways, thank you, Jonathan, again for coming on. I'm extremely, extremely grateful that uh, you are my season finale guest. Uh, we're just going to be bright into the new year next week. But um, I, again, just like thank you so much for coming on and talking with me. Uh, stay tuned. Next week, we've got two more guests with a brand new season. Uh, I'm not going to share who they are yet, but they are awesome guests, and I'm extremely, extremely excited for what's to come with the show. But with that said, I hope you guys have a great New Year's Eve tonight and have an extremely fun time with family and friends. And uh, I will see you guys next week. Have a good one.